Introduction of A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Latham. A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nelly by J. B. Polly. Introduction. Such preface as the following pages require is furnished by the first letter. An introduction, however, will not be amiss. The body of troops known in the Army of Northern Virginia as Hood's Texas Brigade, as originally organized, was composed of the 1st, 4th, and 5th Texas Regiments, the 18th Georgia Regiment, and Hampton's South Carolina Legion. In 1862, the 18th Georgia and Hampton's Legion were transferred to other brigades, the 3rd Arkansas Regiment taking their place in the Texas Brigade and continuing a part of it until the close of the war between the states. One and perhaps two companies of the 1st Texas got to Virginia in time to participate in the First Battle of Manassas, or Bull Run as it's called by the Federals. Its other companies arrived in Virginia after that battle, and the regiment was organized with Lewis T. Wigfall as colonel, Hugh McLeod as lieutenant colonel, and A.T. Rainey as major. The companies composing the 4th and 5th regiments reached Virginia in September 1861, the 4th being organized by John B. Hood as colonel, John Marshall as lieutenant colonel, and Bradford Warwick as major. The 5th was James J. Archer as colonel, J.B. Robertson as lieutenant colonel, and Q.T. Quattlebaum as major. Wigfall was a politician to the manner born and an original secessionist. Like many others of his kind, instead of seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth, he sought it in the civic walks of life. McLeod had been a valiant soldier in the Army of the Texas Revolutionists in 1836, one of the leaders of the ill-fated Santa Fe expedition of 1841, and one of the Perot prisoners. Rainey was a prominent lawyer of Texas, his home being in Palestine. John B. Hood was a graduate of West Point and had more than once distinguished himself in service upon the Texas frontier. A native of Kentucky, he had invested in Texas lands prior to the war and by virtue thereof claimed to be a Texan. Marshall was a newspaper man, a gentleman, and a scholar, but without a qualification for command save his courage. Warwick was a wealthy young Virginian who had won a commission from Garibaldi, the Italian patriot, by his coolness in battle. Although at first the fourth complained of his appointment, because he was not a Texan and was so young, it soon discovered his merit. He was mortally wounded at Gaines Mill, just as he sprang in front of the regiment to lead it in a charge upon the death-dealing battery. James J. Archer was also a graduate of West Point, and, like Hood, came to us direct from the old U.S. Army. He remained in command of the 5th but a short time, being then promoted to the rank of Brigadier General, and given command of the Brigade of Tennesseans, who under him did magnificent service. Robertson was a Kentuckian by birth, a Texan by adoption. As captain of a company from Owensboro, Kentucky, he came to Texas in 1836, and although too late to take part in the Battle of San Jacinto, 
joined in the pursuit of the routed Mexicans, and remained in the Texas Army until 1837, when his company was disbanded. In 1839-40, he commanded a regiment raised to repel Mexicans and Indian invaders of the Republic of Texas. Of Quattlebaum, little is known save that he, too, was a West Pointer. He remained with the 5th but a few months. When the three Texas regiments were brigaded with the 18th Georgia and Hampton's Legion, Wigfall was made a brigadier general and given command of the brigade. In January 1862, however, he was elected to represent the state of Texas in the Congress of the Confederate States, and on his resignation, Hood was made Brigadier General, announcing his promotion and taking command of the Texas Brigade at Fredericksburg in March 1862. Until after the Battle of Sharpsburg, the Texas Brigade and Whiting's Brigade formed the division under the command of its senior Brigadier General Whiting. Whiting's brigade was then composed of the 4th Alabama, the 6th North Carolina, and the 2nd and 11th Mississippi regiments. After Sharpsburg, Hood was made a major general. Whiting transferred to another field of duty. E.M. Law made brigadier general and assigned to the command of Whiting's old brigade. J.B. Robertson of the 5th Texas made a brigadier general and given command of the Texas brigade. Bennings and Anderson's brigades of Georgians, attached to the old Whiting Division, and Hood assigned to the command of the division thus organized. After the Battle of Chickamauga, in which Hood lost a leg, he was promoted to a lieutenant generalcy and placed in command of the corps in the army of General Joseph E. Johnston, General C.W. Field being in February 1864, promoted to a major generalcy and given command of Hood's old division. About the same time, General Robertson was relieved of duty with the Texas Brigade and ordered to Texas, General John Gregg taking his place as commander of the Texas Brigade. Space will not permit mention of the original captains and lieutenants of the 32 companies of Texans in the brigade, or the numerous changes made in the regimental and company commanders. As usual, the fatalities among officers were greater in proportion to numbers than among privates. Disabling wounds sent many home early in the war, but only one of the original captains, prior to being disabled for the infantry service, sought and obtained service in another field of duty. Of the officers here and before named, General E. M. Law only is living. Whether written in camp, in hospital, or in hospitable home, the letters tell a plain, unvarnished, and true story of the observations and experiences, the impressions and feelings of a soldier whose only personal regret is that he could not be one of those whose paroles at Appomattox are patents incontestable, that they fought for the right as they saw it, as long as there was a hope to encourage them. Though not intended as history, they are historical in the respect that they narrate actual occurrences in camp, on the march, and in the battle. The lady to whom all but the last were addressed were no more a myth from 1861 to 1865 than now, when a gray-haired wife, mother, and grandmother, she presides with grace and dignity of the truest womanhood over the home made for her 
by the gallant officer of the Tennessean army, her first and only beloved, whom she wedded shortly after the close of the war. To her soldier correspondent, she was the friend of one more than a friend. It was not until March of 1865 that they ever met. Her letters kept him so well advised of all that was transpiring in Texas, and were so friendly, entertaining, and altogether charming, that, without leave or license, he substituted that adjective for the conventional miss to which she was entitled. The Author End of Introduction Recording by Dale Latham